Welcome back, everybody. Balls and Beards podcast, episode number 17, about to tip off here today. First off, a very happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody out there. Uh, and a, a special early birthday to you, Mikey. I know your birthday is coming up this Sunday. No, it was last Sunday. Well, it was so it's last birthday. Sunday. That's okay, though. Belated well, birthday, I, my friend. Yeah, Happy it's okay. birthday. It's okay. No, That's it's all right. Good, we, we mentioned yeah. it on the uh, the last podcast. Closing but, seconds, hey. yeah. No, it was a good birthday, man. Yeah, it was? It was, it was good? Yeah, it was all fantastic. right, brother. Good, good. And how are you doing today? Oh, you know what? I'm doing wonderful. Chris. All right, awesome. I'm doing awesome. wonderful. I mean, as a Laker fan, this isn't necessarily uh, my favorite holiday. Um, it's hard to celebrate the luck of the Irish <laughs> um, as, a, as a Laker fan. I mean, now we, we're tied, you know, 17 championships apiece. But, yeah, now it's hard to, hard to um, you know, celebrate the Irish today. No offense, you know, people. I'm Fair enough. Saying. I would expect nothing less I'm from wear a purple hardcore and gold Lakers today. fan. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's in my blood, Chris. I can't uh, do it. I, Fair enough, man. Fair enough. I, I totally hear you there. Um, <laughs> I love it. Guys, we got a great show in store today. We're pumped up. You know, we're going to start off with a little bit of NFL talk today, of course. Yeah, we've, we've had some big developments the last week or so. Um, you know, Drew Brees retired, of course. Uh, New England just went on a spending spree the last couple days, you know. Throw me some of that money, Belichick. Yeah, wow, huh? So, but let's start off today with the biggest news. Drew Brees, it had been rumored for a while yeah. here. I don't think it's necessarily a huge surprise, but Mr. Brees officially retired, you mm-hmm. know, uh, this past week after 20 seasons in the NFL. Um, one of the all-time greats. Yeah. Mikey, I want to get your take first. You know, what do you think on Mr. Drew Brees retiring and, uh, you know, finally hanging up the cleats for good? Yeah, man. You know, um, like you said, I mean, this has kind of been rumored now for at least a couple seasons. Yeah. I think he kind of, I mean, I don't know. I don't know the dude from a hole in the wall. But, like, you know, I think the dude wanted to hit that 20-year mark. You know, I, so I, I mean, that's a, that's yeah. a yeah. for an NFL player of any position. I mean, and quarterback is probably the position that, you know, the refs and the league protects the most so yeah, that's not absolutely. unheard of for a guy to go right you know yeah. that many seasons yeah. or whatever i mean just look at tom brady all that sure. kind of stuff but sure. like you know i mean 20 seasons is a long time in long any time. sport yeah and absolutely. especially a sport that's as hard on your body like the nfl is absolutely but that's huge man i, I mean you know it kind of sucks for new england or not new england sorry for new orleans just because i mean here he's been the face of your franchise for 20 you know at least 15 yeah, of those 15 20 years, years yeah, you know right. what i mean yep, and yep. He helped you win a Super Bowl, and I mean that dude has embodied, you know, New Orleans and everything about it. You know, with with the hurricanes and everything like that, and all yeah. of his, yep. you know, efforts and 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 relief and you know just support of that city Excellent and likewise, points. and yeah. you know, vice versa. I mean that's huge, and so I can imagine the emotional toll that that took. Um, you know, physically, dude probably could have played another season. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. I think, I mean, but, he, um, he you know, he contemplated it that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, good for him. I mean, you know, I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but he had a great career. I mean, that dude's Absolutely. going, he's going yeah. to the hall of fame without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. Um, you know, he had lots of battles with some of the greats in, in the NFL yeah, and oh, spanning yeah. generations. I yeah. Mean, you know, yeah. it wasn't just the new and up and comers or, you know, sure. anything like that. I mean, that dude sparred with a lot of good quarterbacks. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. You know, I mean, I, if I'm not mistaken, he's one of the most passing, you know, he's got some of the higher, highest passing numbers in, oh, in yeah. the NFL, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, touchdown passes, all sorts of stuff. I mean, that dude you is just, correct. Yep. you know, ridiculous in that regard. Um, and, and you know what? Look, you still get to hear him talk, man, because like not even 24 hours after announcing retirement, <laughs> yeah, dude's like, yeah, I'm going to go in the booth. I'll be in the booth. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, hey. 
any, anybody's almost better than uh, Tony Romo, yeah. so I'll take it, man. Um, but that's that's all I got. I mean, kudos to you, Drew Brees. Awesome. You know, I mean, you know, everything that you did for the city of New Orleans, all that kind of stuff, man. Kudos to you, man. Enjoy retirement. Absolutely. Uh, by all accounts, you know, a guy that was, quote, uh, from a lot of people, a little bit undersized, you know, listed yep. at 6'1". I think he was really about six foot tall, you know, six foot, half an inch, whatever. Uh, but... You know, for a guy that, quote, didn't fit the typical quarterback build to have such a great career. But you touched on it, Mikey. Um, he's he's going to go. He'll, obviously, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He goes into retirement, and I've got the numbers here, but you, we'll go through it quick, what yeah. he accomplished in his career. And it's pretty mind-boggling. First off, he was a winner, right? He, yeah. he went 172 and 114 in his career as a starter. Wow. So won a lot of games in this league. His career completion percentage, 67.7%. That's insane. Wow. For his career, not just one season, for his career. Wow. One of the most accurate, if not the most accurate quarterback in NFL history. Um, seven times he posted a completion percentage of 70% or higher in a season. In a season. In a season, including his final five seasons. As the dude got older, he got more accurate. Now, yeah, you could say the offense went more to short passing and so on and so forth, but that's what the NFL's done the last five still years. Still got to put the ball in you the hands, still, though. You still have to be accurate and complete those passes, that's right? That's yeah. So seven out of ten passes, that dude was complete. Seven out of ten passes, yeah. For seven seasons, he did that for a full year. That's I mean, nuts. That's crazy. That is just crazy. Seven times he led the league in passing yards. Uh, four times he led the league in touchdown passes. Six times he led the league in completion percentage, so building off of that 70% completion all the time. Six times led the league in completion percentage. Four times he led the league in pass attempts, and 10 times, 10 of his 20 seasons, he posted a quarterback rating of 100 or more. That is wow. really half of his impressive. Career. Half of his career, wow. he was posting triple-digit passer rating numbers. Look, to put that in perspective, if you go back... 20 years, you know, 25 years, you go back to the late 90s, early 2000s, if you were posting a, a 100 quarterback rating, that was considered to be extremely elite. So I know the game's changed a little bit, but to kind of put that in perspective, he did it 10 times. Like, that's, that, crazy. that's crazy. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. Then you go to the career stuff, 571 career touchdown passes, second only to Tom Brady. Uh he will he will retire as the all-time leader in passing yards, yeah, eighty thousand three hundred fifty-eight yards. Tom will probably pass him this year, you know, since he's coming back for another season. And then uh, he's first in career completions as well, seven thousand one hundred forty-two. Nobody in the history of professional football has completed more passes than Drew Brees. Hats off to you. Nine and nine in eighteen career playoff games, a thirteen-time All-Pro. Um, two-time Offensive Player of the Year winner, and he won the NFL Comeback Player of the Year Award in 2004, and he was a Walter Payton Man of the Year Award recipient in 2006 as well. And, of course, he was a Super Bowl champion, uh, the 2009 season 2010 Super Bowl. So there you go, a rundown of the numbers, and it's hard to make an argument against Drew Brees being, what, a top five all-time yeah, quarterback, probably. top five or six. Uh, he's got to be right there. Um, those numbers are insane. Hats off to him. And let's not forget, he when he left San Diego, he was, uh, you know, as they like to say, quote, damaged goods. He was coming off a major shoulder injury, and there were a lot of question marks. There were only two teams that showed interest in him. That's funny to look back on 
the Miami Dolphins and the New Orleans Saints. And boy, uh, did the Saints make the right move back then. Man, I, bet, I bet Miami wishes they could have that one back. Ooh, yeah, you look at the trajectory of those two franchises the last 15 years, right? So um, hats off to Drew Brees, buddy. You know, congratulations to you on a great career. And Mikey, as you pointed out, we'll look forward to the start of a new career in the yeah. booth. Um, I'm excited to hear him as well. Uh, you know, Tony Romo, maybe not my favorite as well when it comes to a commentator. But, uh, you know, very much looking forward to what he could do in the booth. Yeah, so, for sure. Uh, Mr. Drew Brees, congrats, buddy. Enjoy your retirement. And, uh, you know, thank you for all of the phenomenal memories, really. I mean, yeah. this guy uh, was was really something else. So um, after that, you know, now we'll, we'll kind of switch it up and we'll go a little bit of free agency. And, of course, there's been one team that's kind of took over. Dude. All of the headlines last couple days, and it's very much maybe not the way they usually do the stuff, but hey, the New England Patriots, Mikey, just went crazy the last couple yeah. of days. They were in a rough spot this last year with the cap. They kind of swallowed it. They said, hey, it's got to be what it's got to be. They did yeah. not go full rebuild. And now all of a sudden, it seems like Belichick is building a team again. Mikey, what are your initial thoughts on the Patriots seemingly spending free here, yeah uh, dude you know, um and i think i think new i think uh we got to check into um you know we, we got to uh, talk to the department of justice because i think the new england patriots got some of that stimulation money yeah yeah um, yeah you, you know, know what i mean they, like uh, they, the people that got, are waiting for their yeah. for their stimulus money i think it just went to new uh to new england man i think um, so dude I that think dude so. is i mean i was looking at the numbers man and on on the gram and dude, they, they spent a ridiculous amount of money yeah, for guys. I mean, they, they signed nine nuts. players yes, Chris, since since did. Monday. Yeah, we're on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, in in tip in what seems to be uh, uh according to a Yahoo Sports article from Dan Wetzel, you know, I mean, he's he's going back old school, man. He's yeah. building up that yeah. defense. Um, you know, the offense is going to be solid, but he's building up that defense. And, um, you know, much like we've talked about on this podcast about, like, Seattle investing so much money in the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, right. You know, Belichick's like, look, I may not have the greatest offense, but if I can yeah. stop you and prevent you from putting points on the board, yep. and I have an okay offense that can put enough points on the board, I mean, you know, I mean, that's been a recipe for him. That's been a recipe for a lot of coaches. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, he's going back to that. And But the yeah. amount of money that they've spent, typically speaking, you know, New England's much like a San Antonio Spurs or something like that. They do a lot of quiet stuff yeah, that ends do. up paying dividends yeah, in the regular correct. season. You're they they don't make correct. these big splashy no. moves. I mean, you know, getting Cam Newton was more out of necessity more yeah. than it was name recognition. It just happened that Cam Newton was a big name. Correct. Um, you know, and not in player, but in name only at this yeah. point. But like, you know, they they don't make big splashy moves. No, these are they don't. this is a team that does things very under the radar. They find guys deep in the draft, a la Tom Brady, that they plug into their system and they make it work, just like Popovich does down in, in San yeah. Antonio, yep. to compare it into basketball terms. So, you know, it, it is one of those things that's kind of odd and kind of at odds with how you view this franchise over the last decade plus, 20 years. But, you know, at the same time, I mean, this, there's a reason why Belichick is still, in, you know, the coach there in, yeah. in New England. Yep. Um, this is a guy that, you know, despite a down season last year, still had a pretty okay season. Yeah, I mean... By man. all accounts, for not having a whole hell of a lot, he still you know, was able to get some stuff done. Completely agree, yeah. So, you know, and now you're coming back, and, you know, you're going to run this back, and 
you know, I mean, the league should watch out. I mean, it's hard to – it's just hard to count against this guy, dude. Like, it's I just, completely agree. Yeah. You know, and granted, I, if I, they have health and everything like that, that defense could be absolutely scary. Yeah, definitely. Totally agree. Look, they went 7-9 last year. They – they understood where they were at. They they had kicked a lot of cap stuff Which is to huge. the future, you know, to get Tom to those last three Super Bowls they went to, and that the bill came due this year. Belichick didn't didn't squawk about it. Understood it. They owned it. And they said, "Look, we can't afford to sign anybody. We're just going to run it out with what we've got. We're going to try to compete. We're not going to do a full rebuild." And they were seven and nine, and a lot of weeks were pretty competitive, and a lot of weeks they weren't, but. You know, they had a little COVID interruption where Cam had to miss a couple games, and they had won a couple games at that point, so it kind of stymied any progress they had going. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, they, their two best defensive players opted out of the season right before the season started uh, with Hightower and Patrick Chung, two guys that have been cornerstones for that defense for years, um, not guys you can just replace all of a sudden right before a season starts. So, um, you know, they, they, to their credit, they said, all right, you know what, all this cap stuff, we kicked to the future. All those bills came due. We're going to swallow it. We're going to release some guys. We get through 2020 and we're going to have a bunch of cap space and we're going to be in a, in a good position, yeah. much better than a lot of other teams. They did it. They came out and it's funny, right? Cause the big thing was, what are they going to do a quarterback? They got to do something at quarterback. What are they going to do? They're going to try to move up in the draft. Are they going to try to trade for Sam Darnold? Are they going to try to trade for this guy? No, they, they they said, you know what, we're going to bring Cam back. That was the first move they did. And, yeah, it, it's reported it's a one-year $13 or $14 million deal. $6 million of that is tied to incentives. So, look. It's it, not a bad, it's not it's a bad not, contract. Not a bad contract at all. You know, For a my, guy that if he has some health, yeah. I mean, could, could, could make some plays, could, my, could get my, some stuff done. My brother and I talked about it last night. Last year's Cam had basically three really awesome games where he looked like Cam of old. Sure. And the rest was mediocre at best. But – so now you give them a contract that basically says we're going to pay you seven million if you can play better than you did last year for a longer period you you can make twice as much great contract not bad at all right, right. like that cap hit's going to be really low compared to some others and so they make that then they said okay now let's build our defense back up and then we're going to get you a couple of weapons around you the quickest way to rebuild a team or to get back to the playoffs in the nfl in this league today even with how passing happy it is is to get build a good physical defense and then an offense that can manage the clock and not turn the ball over. Yeah. And they've kind of started to put that together. So now we go through the signings, right? What made him so great offensively a few years back? The two tight end combo with Rob Gronkowski, the late Aaron Hernandez. They go out, they sign Hunter Henry and, and Jonu Smith from the from the Titans, Henry from the Chargers. Arguably the the two you know, best tight ends available out there right yeah. now. And they, they signed both of them. They signed both of them. They overpay a little bit for those sure. guys, but they're both only four years in the league. They're going to be coming into their primes. You know, Henry's got a little bit of health issues, but you look at it and the upside's extremely high. So, right. you know, you're not overpaying Low for risk, guys. high reward. Exactly. You know, yeah. so, okay, you overpay a little bit, but at least these are guys that have really high ceilings yeah. potentially. Yeah. You know, I think you can make the argument you know, uh, the Chargers haven't got all of Henry's full potential yet, and and Tennessee never got all of Smith's full potential because they got a bulldozer for a running back down yeah. there that can run for 2,000 yards a year. So you bring those two guys in, now all of a sudden a position where they, they were worst in the NFL last year in tight ends from a blocking and a production standpoint. Now all of a sudden you go into this year looking really good at that position. 
Um, you go out, you give Nelson Aguilar some money. Again, it's a little bit of a crapshoot. He was a big disappointment in Philly, but came on strong for a Raiders team that had some weapons last year. He yeah. ended up being their top receiver. So, you know, he caught 48 passes, 896 yards, eight touchdowns, but was more impressive is he caught 18.7 yards per catch. Now all of a sudden... Nice. You potentially have a guy that could stretch the defense a little bit. New mm-hmm. England hasn't had that which guy for years. Which frees things up for those two tight ends. Which frees things up underneath for the two yeah. tight ends. You still have James White, who when being used in tandem with tight ends and a guy that can stretch the field is really deadly as a pass catcher out of the backfield. He wasn't this last season because you didn't have anything to open it up for him. Now you do. <sighs> I tell you. And then you switch to the defensive side of the ball. And, um, you know, a couple of the guys they brought in there, they go out, they get, you know, Juden from the, from the Ravens, who is a two time pro bowler edge rusher for, for them. And now you compare him with Dante Hightower. Like I mentioned, he's coming back. He opted out of last year. So now you, now you have a nice one, two punch as far as physical linebackers go. These guys can, can both really hit guys. And that's going to be an interesting combo to see how they play together. But now you brought in. A, a decent edge rusher, you know, who, who, uh, you know, the, the Ravens thought high enough to franchise tag this last year. So, um, a guy coming in again, another guy that you could argue is kind of in his prime. Uh, then they go out and I love the signing of, uh, Jalen Mills, who was a cornerback. Philly shifted in the safety this past year. It's four years, 24 million, 9 million guaranteed. I think that's all pretty good, pretty good bargain as far as that goes. But, they moved him from, you know, corner to safety. That is the kind of versatility and flexibility that Belichick likes. Sure. Patrick Chung is coming back as a safety. He had opted out of last year. And then your other guy in the defensive backfield, Devin McCourty. Those two guys are 33. You bring Mills in, he's 26. Now you've got a versatile young guy yeah. you can move around to go with your two veterans. You don't have to ask as much as those guys as they're getting older. I like it. And then their run defense was absolutely putrid last year. Um to be nice about it. They were awful. You know, they couldn't stop anybody against the run. That's usually Putrid. a trademark for them. So what do they do? They go and they snag a guy from the Dolphins, right? You know, division division uh, opponent there. Yeah. They get uh, Godshoe from, from uh, the Dolphins. Two years, 16 mil. Um, not necessarily a splash or anything like that, but he is really good uh, against the run. So all of a sudden, now you address the middle of your defensive line which ranked 26 against the run last year. You bring in a guy that automatically is going to be an upgrade. Again, it's not going to move the needle a ton, but when you plug him in with the other pieces that they have returning and the other guys they have signed, and all of a sudden you can look and you can go, okay, New England all of a sudden has a pretty good physical defense that should be pretty good against the run. And, oh, by the way, now they have versatility in their defensive backfield against the pass which is something that Belichick, when he's had that, those defenses have been really, really good. Well, and he's also, I mean, look, Belichick sometimes, Belichick's the kind of dude, Chris, and, you know, and I hate to say this about a New England, Boston type of guy of any sport, but, like, he, you know, he's always seems to be playing chess where other people are playing checkers, right? Yeah, I, I mean, totally you know, you're like agree. you're saying, like, yeah, these are I totally players agree. didn't live up to potential or they're coming off an injury or, you know, they're doing all these things where maybe – you know, obviously the market wasn't incredibly high. Otherwise, yeah. you're not yep. going to sign these two tight ends. Yep. You're not going to make the moves that you have over the last few days. But, like, these, he's looking at that giant puzzle. He's not looking at individual little pieces. No. He's, like, looking at yeah. the bigger picture and the bigger puzzle. And that's what this dude does, right? Yep. I mean, yep. like you were saying, like, in their defenses of old, when he's had all these elements, they've been ridiculously good. Yep. And 
I don't know, man. That dude just plays chess when everybody else is playing checkers. Dude. I I totally agree. Uh, you know, and and I really like I really like what they did here. And you know, this is from a guy. If anybody knows me, you know, I'm not the biggest Patriot guy, and I've been very critical of them over the years. And uh, but I have to say, I really like what they just did over the last couple of days. And you know, I think Buffalo is still a really elite team, and yeah. it's still the cream of the crop in that division. But I tell you, it those Miami is going to have a tough time beating New England all of a sudden this year. It's going to be a little bit more difficult, and you know they went seven and nine. They're not going to have to play a very difficult schedule either. You know yeah. that's another thing to keep in mind. They're going to play a mediocre schedule this next year. That's going to help them out a little bit. Um, they and they did have a few flashes of success this past year where yeah. they were able to win a few games in a row with nothing, absolutely trotting nothing out, no skills players or anything. Um, they're going to be better. And the last thing about it, they address so many of their needs and big question marks where people are like, okay, who are they going to draft? Because they need a quarterback. They need a wide receiver. They need a tight end, this, that, and the other thing. They addressed all these needs. They can literally do anything in the draft now. And I'm telling you guys, I have this feeling that Mac Jones is going to fall into their lap, the Alabama quarterback, because I'm telling you, there's... Yeah, these quarterbacks are going to go high, but three or four of them are. And there's five guys right now, quarterbacks being talked about. Mac Jones could go second out of those quarterbacks. He could go fifth. There's a possibility this dude could fall back to the Patriots, and they could they addressed all their other needs. They might be able to nab their quarterback of the future in this draft. And oh, by the way, even though you might not be as high in Mac Jones as Trevor Lawrence or Trey Lance all of a sudden out of North Dakota State is had a great workout. Everybody's real high on him. Um, but Mac Jones won the national championship at Alabama. And a guy, June Jones, coached in the NFL for a long time. I listened to him talk about Mac Jones not too long ago, and he's super high on this guy. He's got a number one quarterback coming out, really? mainly because of how awesome he throws the deep ball. You need that in today's NFL. He's really accurate, and he was outstanding at Alabama. And look, these guys that have come out of Alabama and LSU the last few years – if you if you passed on them in the draft, you're kicking yourself in the butt right now. Yeah, Case yeah. in hand, um, you know anybody that any anybody has passed on any of these skill guys. You know, I mean, there's a lot of teams that wish they would have drafted Derrick Henry. Uh, you know, yeah. and and had that bulldozer. So anyway, um, I really like what they did. Now it completely opens them up to do whatever they want with that pick in the draft. Yeah. Potentially move up a little bit if there's a guy they really like, but they can take. Now they're in a position where they can take the best player available. Yeah because they've addressed their needs. Yeah. That's how you go into a draft, guys. That's how you do it. So hats off to them, something you're not going to hear me say too much, but hats off to the Patriots. I Guys, look out. I think they're right back in the playoff mix, and uh, if I'm a few of those AFC teams, you know, oh, man, Belichick's back to cooking again, you know. Yeah. I mean, he's back to cooking again, I tell you. Uh, man. Uh, but now, you know, to kind of touch on a few other developments here in free agency and, and kind of wrap up the NFL talk today, of course, Mr. Tom Brady yeah. restructured his deal. He's going to be a $9 million cap hit, ranked 20th among NFL quarterbacks for the greatest of all time, coming off a Super Bowl MVP yet again. His freeing up was able to allow them to franchise tag Chris Godwin, so all of his receivers will be back. It allowed them to extend Levante David, who arguably is maybe the biggest key piece to that defense. And it's allowed them to make progress. You know, they'll bring Devin White back as well. Um, It's allowed them to bring everybody back, to run it back. His ability to restructure his contract. 
you know, Mikey, we talked about this a little bit last week with, with Dak signing his deal and yeah. this, this ability or willingness to be able to restructure your deal to make key players around you to keep making championship runs versus yeah. I need to be the highest paid guy. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I, I mean, I, I think kind of like we touched about, touched on last week, but I, I think this is also very much a um, – uh, a sign of of age. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you're you know you're younger, and I I mean you know what the average career span for an NFL player is what two and a half three years. Yeah, right? basically. So yeah. you know I get it. Like I, I for some of the younger players, I understand wanting these big paydays, and you want these you know large guarantees up front because yep. should something happen to you and you're done. You know, you want to be able to – not everybody's going to be a Drew Brees or a Tony Romo or some of these guys that end up in the broadcast booth, right? Yep, They're going to yep. – you know, if something were to happen, they, they want some financial security. I get that. Sure. Um, but I also think, on the other hand, that in the event of somebody like, you know, Tom Brady, you've always had, you know, those guys having your back that have kept you upright, which has allowed you to have the career that you've had – because in part you've restructured your deal to allow these guys to be able to get paid so that yep. you can have a longer career. Exactly. So, you know, I, I think I don't think that one way is necessarily the right way or the wrong way, but I think sure. that, you know, you could probably as a younger player, you could probably take a page out of Brady's book or Drew Brees' book. Sure. Um, and say, you know what, like I'll take less money so that we can pay this guy yeah. so that I can have a longer career and potentially play for more championships. Then, yep. then get a huge payday, and then all of a sudden, I'm out of the league in a couple of seasons. I yeah. mean, you know, yep. we were talking about it before we hit record. You know, you look at all these running backs over the last few years that have yes. had and gotten yes. these huge contracts, and now they are virtually non-existent. The Todd Gurley's, the Ezekiel yeah. Elliott's, the David yeah. Johnson's. These are all players that had ridiculously co good contracts after, you know, you know, a couple good seasons. Yeah. Nothing, but yeah. it wasn't like a continued success rate, right? Yeah. It was like one or two good seasons yep. and you're like, holy crap, this is the best. I mean, Todd Gurley for a minute, and I mean, I do mean a minute, was <laughs> yes, the best yeah. running back in the game, yeah. right? Yeah. He got this MVP huge payday. consideration, right. all those things, absolutely. And then and then completely fizzled out, yep. was not used in a Super Bowl, all these kinds of things, despite an injury, despite being yep. able to play, and now he's out of league. I can understand him wanting to get a big payday, but, you know... It just it's it's fascinating to me, and you know I don't know I I think that there's a little bit of both, but kudos to Tom Brady. I mean this dude understands he cements his career not by how much money he makes. He cements his career, and he's already the goat. So yep. he cements his career by continuing to do things that are selfless, yeah. believe it or not, yep. and allows him to be in that conversation year in and year out, and you know. Uh, you know, Prescott, you know, is that something that he's ever going to learn? I don't know. I think Patty Mahomes has that in him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the dude just got a 20-year, $250 million deal, whatever, 500 whatever it was. Just yeah, ridiculous, ridiculous, absolutely insane. insane amount of money. But, you know, I, I just, you know, good for Tom Brady, uh, good for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, good for that city, good for that franchise, um, you know. Because you're, you, you have Tom Brady on that field. You're selling Brady jerseys, you're, you know. Lord yeah. willing, this next yeah. season you're going to have butts in the seats, and you know you're going to be packing that stadium post COVID. So you know, kudos to them. You know, and and um, you know, again, I I just think there's you know I don't think there's a right or wrong way. I think 
Tom Brady's way is the way I would prefer, but yeah, I can yeah. understand players wanting that upfront money. Oh, absolutely, money. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I again, I get Dak. Dak has been trying to get the extension for the couple years. They franchise-tagged him. You know, that sometimes really pisses players off, quite honestly. Um, and I think he kind of was at a point where his, and his agent was like, well, we're going to stick it to him a little bit too. Yeah. But, um, you know, you touched on it. Uh, to wrap up kind of the NFL talk for this week's episode, um, Aaron, Aaron Jones was the other kind of big resigning, oh, yeah. you know, that happened. Um, you know, the Packers were able to bring him back on a four-year, $48 million deal. But you kind of touched on the running back contracts over the last few years, how they haven't really been that good. There was a lot of talk about how people thought Green Bay wouldn't be able to bring him back. They wouldn't be able to afford him. Um, they should franchise tag him and everything like that. Green Bay is a franchise that only uses the franchise tag when they absolutely have to. They're not a, 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 a franchise that likes to do that, mainly yeah. because the, the way the franchise tag works for, for everybody out there, so you kind of understand when we're talking about this and why it's not always necessarily a great idea to do it is it's basically a stopgap if you're trying to bring a player back but you can't get a long-term deal done, but you don't necessarily want to lose him to free agency. The thing is, is that when you when you franchise a player, their salary is an average of the top five of who's being paid at that position. So in essence, you may be getting a bargain, but you're, you're going to be paying market value when you franchise a guy. You know, that's mm. how that works. So... But, you know, that, that'll work for a year or two as that stopgap. But ideally, you don't want to be doing that all the time. Ideally, you want to have a guy that's wrapped up, you know, and under contract. Yeah. Those guys get alienated. They, they, don't, they want that long-term deal. And I get it. Sometimes you're like, the jury's still out. You know, we're not quite sure if this guy's worth a long-term sure. deal. But we don't necessarily want to lose him to somebody else. Um, so there's certain teams that have different strategies with the franchise tag. Anyway, I digress in a little bit, but kind of, you know, going what we were talking about, Green Bay decided not to negotiate against themselves. They, they decided, look, we feel like these running back contracts of the last few years, we'll let Aaron Jones test the free market. We also, we also know that, Hey, we've got a really good offensive line and yep. we've got a really good quarterback. So what other free agent teams that could actually offer money? You look around the league, and eh, the Jets don't have an offensive line, and they're just yeah. trying to figure out what they're doing at quarterback. You know, the Jaguars, they're clearly a rebuild. They're going to take Trevor Lawrence. Their offensive line needs help. Like, okay, what, what? Yeah. Do you really want to go and sign with those teams? So, right. Got to call his they, bluff a little bit. Exactly. They did very much the opposite of the Cowboys. The Cowboys nego negotiate against themselves to bring Dak back instead of letting him test the market. And again, we talked about a little bit last week. There, there's no team out there that had cap space to give him $40 million a year. So they negotiated against himself really for no reason. Green Bay said, we'll take a chance. We'll see if anybody goes after him and gives him that big money. They didn't. They came back. They get him back on a pretty good deal all the way around. He's getting paid like he should get paid, but it's not necessarily a bad contract. It's not this enormous. He's the highest paid yeah, running yeah. back all of a sudden and all this kind of stuff. So anyway, Aaron Jones is back. Um, big move. I, you know, Packers fans, we're definitely happy about that. It also shows Aaron Rodgers that, you know, we're, we're dedicated to trying to run this thing back and, yeah. and give him another shot to get to the Super Bowl. So um, little tidbits to wrap up there. Um, unsurprisingly, 
the New England Patriots and Tom Brady leading off the NFL news. How about that, Mikey? <laughs> but we'll take a quick segment break, guys. And then when we come back, we're going to dive into NBA talk. We got a lot of good stuff oh, yeah. going on. Dame Lillard and the Blazers went crazy the last six minutes last night. Yeah. Um, quick segment break, guys. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Balls and Beards podcast, guys. Episode 17. Moving right along today, we we capped all the big stuff going on in the NFL this week yeah, with buddy. retirements and free agency. Now it's time to shift our focus to the NBA, and I'm going to turn it over to Mikey uh, to take us through what has been going on in the league. You know, uh, we're we're in this kind of post All Star break, uh, second half of the season kind of lull. Um, you know, there's not. Teams are kind of jockeying for position. There, there's a lot of things going on as far as that's concerned. But I think there's a couple of uh, things of note, um, you know, at least for me anyway. Sure. Um, you know, and one of them obviously concerns your Milwaukee Bucks to yeah. some degree. And that is, uh, you know, Joel Embiid. Um, you know, okay. he's going to yeah. be out for about two weeks. Um, that was the report uh, as of a few days ago on March 13th. Um, you know, he's got a uh, sprained knee. Um, you know, fortunately the MRI and everything like that revealed that there wasn't a whole lot, there was no structural damage, doesn't require any surgery. He just good. needs to rest. Yeah. So that's good. Um, you know, Absolutely. The, the 76ers are currently sitting at the top of the Eastern conference. Yeah. You know, the nets are kind of nipping at their heels. Your bucks are kind of coming in hot. Yeah, um, they, you know, I, you know, I think between those three teams, you know, your the 76ers over the last 10 games are eight and two. The Brooklyn nets are nine and one. The Milwaukee bucks are nine and one. The Miami heat are nine and one. All of those teams have, are on winning streaks. So you've got the 76ers on a six-game winning streak, the Nets on a five-game winning streak, your Bucks at a four-game winning streak, and the Miami Heat coming on strong, sitting at number four in the Eastern Conference at a five-game winning streak. And then, just to throw it out there, the Charlotte Hornets are currently sitting number five in the Eastern Conference, and they're on a four-game winning streak, and they have a showdown with the Los Angeles Lakers coming up here this week. Oh, in fact, wow. I think it's tomorrow. All right. hey. And Ball does not want to go up against LeBron James. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's got no excitement uh, whatsoever. But, you know, I, I mean, Embiid is a big is a pretty big blow uh, for I agree, um, you yeah. know, the 76ers. MVP I mean, I think that they can maintain – but yeah, I mean, he's at he, exactly. He's playing at an MVP level. He's averaging almost 30 points a game, uh, almost 12 rebounds and three assists. He's shooting 52 and a half percent from the field uh, overall. Uh, you know, his free throw percentage is 86 uh, percent. You know, he's got he's putting up good numbers. And and I mean, yeah. you know, it's yep. the one of the knocks on Embiid right the last few seasons has been you know, his health and, yeah. you know, this on again, off again, he comes out, he plays really well. I mean, last season, I think it was, he got called out by Shaq because one game he puts up these ridiculous good numbers and then, and he looks like the best center in the NBA. And then the following season, he abs or the following game, rather he, he comes out and he disappears. Yeah. But this year he's really kind of putting it together and, you yeah, know, you're for right. whatever reason. So I, I, you know, that's a pretty big blow for the 76ers franchise, I totally especially agree. Yeah. with, you know, the Nets, um, uh, coming on so strong, but I mean, defensively, they're one of the better teams in the NBA. The 76ers are. So I think that they can maintain and two weeks isn't a ridiculous amount of time. Yeah. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Will they lose some footing in the seating? Maybe, uh, especially if uh, the Bucks and, and the Nets continue their winning ways. Sure. Uh, yeah. So that could hurt them, but he comes back and then there's still a decent amount of season left that he could, you know, 
uh, oh yeah, definitely. come back strong and and healthy and, and make a, a home stretch. And if you're able to maintain that number one seed, or maybe even you fall to number two, but you're able to maintain that, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't put it past the 76ers to say, you know what, we're gonna kind of give you a limits a minutes restriction, or or we're gonna slowly bring you back. And make sure that you're healthy for the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Um, because yeah. that's something that, you know, the 76ers have not done well is, you know, perform well in the playoffs. It's true. So yeah. I think that, you know, maybe erring on the side of caution is better there. Um, you know, which leads me to the second thing that yeah. I wanted to talk about. And they can tie together and then I want to get your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Because also you have on the Western, on the West Coast... You've got Anthony Davis, who was supposed to be close from coming back from his yeah. injury. Yeah, and right. now they, you know, the Lakers are ruling weeks. him out for three more weeks. Um, and you know, the Lakers are five and five in their last ten. Yeah. Um, you know, we picked up a good few couple wins here. We beat Indiana. We beat Golden State. We beat Minnesota last night. I mean, we beat Golden State. Yeah. Um, in Golden State. So you know. Um, Sorry, not sorry. Um, you know, LeBron James has had two back-to-back triple doubles. Yeah. Uh, Montrezl Harrell has been on a tear, and I'm, I was going to get to that a little bit. Sure. But you know, I, I mean, I think that the Lakers are smart too here. As long as we can tread water and we continue playing the way that we are, you know, look, the Lakers—they're playing for a championship. Yeah, absolutely. The seeding yeah. has minimal to do with yeah. you know yeah. when you totally have LeBron agree. James and Anthony Davis yeah. on that court healthy, you know or at least minimally banged up, you're going to have a chance to win every single time yeah. you're on the floor. So I don't think the Lakers need to rush Anthony Davis back. Um, you know, there's some guys out there that have been floating around as far as trade targets or or at the very least buyout candidates that the Lakers would look at. I think we found a diamond in the rough in this Damian Jones center. Yeah. Um, he's been starting in the place of an injured Marcus Saul. Okay. Um, and you know, he's been he's been showing flashes of what we had last year with the there shot blocking and rebounding and, and a lob threat um that we don't have with Gasol. So uh, you know, I, look, I, I'm not in any rush to bring back Anthony Davis. Do no, I want to see no. him on the court? Absolutely. Oh, of course, yeah. But I want him out there healthy. Yeah. And I want him out there healthy going into the playoffs. Not right now no. when yeah. we're treading water and we're doing okay and we're still the top defensively ranked team in the NBA. There you go. So That's pretty impressive. I, without him. Without him. One of the best interior defensive right. players in the league. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um Completely agree. I, the, the Embiid loss is gonna is gonna hurt the Sixers a little bit. I don't think they're as well positioned from a bench standpoint and roster standpoint to be able to withstand the blow as the Lakers have, in sure. my opinion. Uh, we'll see what happens, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I still think they'll probably be able to keep it afloat, like you said. And then I would not be surprised to see him come back on a minutes uh, restriction, like you touched on. I mean, the, the focus has to be the playoffs. This team's underperformed for years now. They got to get back for that. Um, as far as your Lakers go, I like what they've done post All-Star break. You know, I th- I want to say, Mikey, and you're going to know because, you know, obviously you're the Lakers guy, but three or four games ago, they won. LeBron had 18 points and was getting everybody involved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I forgot what game that was, but I really liked coming out of the All-Star break. It seemed like LeBron kind of was like, okay, we need to prepare for not having AD for another three weeks. Yeah. And there's no guarantee he comes back in three weeks. They might, they might, like you said, you know, it's the playoffs. That's when we need that dude for. So I think LeBron's kind of going, hey, I need to, I need to get the rest of these guys, these role players, to up their game. Yeah. Especially if we're going to stay afloat where we're at and get ready for a postseason run. 
get ready for an extended period without AD. Mm-hmm. I like it. I, I thought he got some of these guys a little bit more involved. I know Kyle Kuzma had a great night the other night, like yeah. 24 and 12 or something like that. I mean, like he was that. a big reason why we won the Indiana game. Yeah, that was a game. That mm-hmm. was a game I was thinking mm-hmm. of, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, he was a big part of the win there. Scored 24 points, yeah, I believe it was. Yeah, and, yeah. And LeBron played 34 minutes, I think, that night, but only 18 points getting everybody else involved. And it yeah. wasn't like he shot poorly or anything. It was just like very right. much like, hey, I need to get the rest of these guys involved. We need to kind of get them to up their game a little bit. And mm-hmm, I think they've mm-hmm. all responded pretty good. Um, and like you mentioned, you, the Lakers are still right there. You're like, you're keeping it afloat just fine. Um, yeah, well, you know. I mean, and, and they, they asked LeBron about if he was going to, you know, do some load management or rest at all here. And he basically scoffed at the yeah, reporter that asked that question. Yeah, and, you know, he's like, it's go time. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that and that, this is what LeBron's done, right? I mean, he's done this going back to Miami. He's do, he did this in his, you know, second stint in Cleveland. Um, you know, he kind of goes through these ebbs and flows and, you know, LeBron James is one of those players, you know, and I, and I've had my knocks on him over the, the you know, years that he's been in the league. Oh, sure. Me too. Um, but you know, one of the things that he does remarkably well is he's a pretty good evaluator of what the team needs from him at any given time. That's a great Do point. they need scoring? He will go out there and he'll You're give right. you 30 some odd points and no. he'll still give you five or six assists, but his focus is going to be on scoring. You know, getting other guys involved. If he needs to up his assists and he needs to get those passes and get those players involved, get the Wesley Matthews involved, yeah, get the yeah. Kyle Kuzma's involved, the KCP's involved, you know, then that's what he's going to do. Because unlike a Dennis Schroeder, you know, these are guys that need somebody to get them the ball to be effective scorers, yeah. right? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, because outside of LeBron, Dennis Schroeder, Anthony Davis, there's not a whole – Kyle Kuzma to some degree and THT probably being the other one – there's not a lot of guys that create offense for themselves. So yeah. LeBron has to go out there and kind of get it done in terms of, you know, passing the ball and that kind of stuff. But that's the one thing he does. He starts these games out or he starts the seasons out kind of just pacing himself. Shaq was notorious for this too. Shaq was notorious for coming into training camp out of shape. Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, damn near point. eating all these, you know, cheeseburgers yeah. and all this other kind of stuff, <laughs> you know, and that kind of a thing. And, 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 you know, but then by the time the second half of the season rolled around and going into the playoffs, next thing you know, Shaq is like looking fantastic. The dude looks like a Greek God and yeah, he's, right? know, yeah. he's still beasting everybody, but yeah. like, he just looks like he's playoff ready. LeBron James does the exact same thing. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. you know, I, I think in that regard, um, you know, it's go time and, you know, look, he will get his minutes rest. He will get rest when the Lakers blow out teams a la Golden State by 30 yeah, points. Yeah. He's going to get his rest and resting Absolutely. fourth quarters. Yeah. If he doesn't have to play an entire fourth quarter or at least yeah. half of a fourth quarter because we're up by 20-some-odd points, then he gets his rest. Absolutely. If we're, you know, the Lakers are not very good without LeBron on the floor. Right, yeah, Or AD, course. but, right. you know, in particular, AD's out, so yeah. take him out of the equation. You take LeBron James out of that equation, we're not that great. Yeah. We're good. We're yeah. not that great. Right. LeBron takes us over that edge. Obviously, he would take any Absolutely. team over Oh, that yeah, edge. totally. So, you know, I, that is one of those things. But, you know, again, you know, and that, that's a great segue into another thing is the last three games, Chris, the Lakers bench has been ridiculous. Like, yeah, I was looking at been... some of these numbers. Hundred, They've outscored in the last three games. So, Indiana, Golden State, and then Minnesota last night. Yep. They have outscored those three teams a hundred a bench. 193 to 98. They have outscored those three teams by damn near 100 points, right? Montrezl Harrell is all of a sudden like 
you know, I mean, if he continues this kind of play, which I don't think he can, he would be competing, I think, with Jordan Clarkson for sixth man of the year. Again, um, he's averaging 23 points per game off wow. the bench right now wow. over the last three games. Over the last three? The last two games, he's had over 20 points. He's played ridiculously well, shot a ridiculous field goal percentage. He's just been playing out of his mind. Um, Kyle Kuzma. He's yeah. averaging 19 Kuz points per on. game. Yeah, he's um, off of real he's strong. Looking, yeah. He's rebounding the ball well. Yep. The last few games, his playmaking has been off the charts. He's making these passes where it's like, wait, did, who made that pass? Was that LeBron? Was that Who was that? He's making these ridiculous interior passes. He's making the right play. He's rebounding the hell out of the basketball. He's looking every bit the Kyle Kuzma that the Lakers and the Laker fans have wanted to see. Um, and that's a beautiful thing to see. And that's kind of scary because... Kuzma is finding ways, and he's admitting to it, of how he can contribute to the team and find ways to get on the floor beyond scoring. Yeah. And the scoring is yeah. coming along with it. And, that, and yeah. that just goes to show that you want to get on the floor in the NBA. You got, especially in today's NBA, you got to do more than just put the ball in the bucket. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, and then last but not least, you know, our second round pick, our diamond in the rough, Talon Horton Tucker. <sighs> TNT for THT, he's averaging 13 points per game off the bench. Um, you know, the other night he had, you know, five or six assists. Um, and because he was kind of running some backup point because Alex sure. Caruso was out with uh, concussion protocol type stuff after hitting his head uh, a couple games ago. But, um, you know, he's playing ridiculously well. But, I mean, and that's the scary thing. If the Lakers bench can continue producing the way that they are, going back to the Anthony Davis thing, Chris – then it's really hard to say, yeah, we need you back. Yeah, right. Let's yeah, rush you yeah, back. I mean, right, you yeah. know, and you've got Alonzo McKinney's playing well off the bench, and he's and hasn't played hardly at all except for garbage time. Right. Um, you know, you have uh, Devontae Kaycock coming in and playing well. You know, you just anybody that's come in over the last few games for the Lakers has put up points. They've scored yeah. the ball. They've looked good. Um, and I also think, you know, this is also a sign of how much the G League helps. Yeah, because yeah, they're right. getting, yeah. they're actually getting quality minutes against NBA quality type competition, albeit bench type competition, mm -hmm. but still guys that are good enough that they can make NBA rosters. And instead of playing overseas, instead of playing, you know, and and just training and and, and playing rec league games, like these guys are going up against NBA type competition. And so when they do get their number called. They don't look like these deer in the headlights kind of rookies, and they're coming in and they're contributing, and you know maybe not to like a ridiculous level, but they're not making boneheaded mistakes. Yeah, they're not. The game's not too fast for them. They're they're still kind of playing within the framework of what the team wants. But you know, either way, like that's as a Laker fan, that's huge seeing that off the bench. Uh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Hats off to you know to Frank Vogel, your yeah, coach, 100%. and uh, to LeBron, uh, the coach on the court, mm -hmm, for getting mm -hmm. these guys in position to be successful. Yeah, to come absolutely. I, you it's, know, if there's, I'm really impressed, as a lot of people have with Vogel over the last couple of years, yeah. but this year in particular with AD being out and everything, I, I mean. There are a lot of people that you know were critical of him being hired before last season yeah. and so on and so forth. And you know this guy's turned out to be a phenomenal fit. Right? Oh, absolutely! I love, I love what he's been able to do. What you've been able to get out of your bench the last few games is incredible. Um, you know, I I don't know if this was just hearsay. I heard the other day on the radio, but I heard 
Montrezl Harrell had a little heart-to-heart with Jeannie Buss, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. he's snapping out. So basically, um, you know, if your game's struggling, go talk to Jeannie, and you're going to freaking <laughs> turn into, uh, you know, a magician out on the yeah, court, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, you know, no, it, it's – it's nice to see the guys that you brought in, and I think Harrell, for the first half of this year, you can make the argument, wasn't quite, I don't know, trying to find his footing, trying to find his role with the team. He was a little up and down. Now, all of a sudden, he's really stepped up his game, and I think Ben, more of the consistent contributor that you guys expected when you nabbed him from the Clippers. Um, again, I, I haven't watched every game, so I might be a little off with that assessment. No, but. I mean, his, his last year he averaged 18 points, a little over 18 points per game off the bench, which is what led him to winning sixth man of the year. But right. this year his scoring was down about four points. Okay, I mean, he yeah. was averaging so, about 14 points. Because you're right, right, he would have those games where he would play well and he had almost 20 points off yeah. the bench. And then he'd have a game where it was less than 10. So. Yeah. You know, but yeah, he's come really come on strong. I do think that it's also extended playing time. You that know, helps. Mark Gasol yeah, not playing, sure, AD right. not playing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you're playing Damian Jones. You know, uh, a, a young player that you know he's been in the league and not really played a whole lot. Right. You know, because right. I think he's been in the league four or five seasons. Sure. So sure. you know, it's not like he's a second year player or something. But you know, so I think that extended playing time also helps. Competition helps a little bit, but. You know, I, I mean, you're absolutely right. And if Harold continues the stretch where he just keeps coming in and he's averaging damn near, not maybe not 23 points, but if he's averaging oh, that 18 right. points a game off the bench, I mean, that's a huge boon for the Lakers. Oh, now, absolutely. You know, I, and the beautiful thing is, is, is that last year, despite his struggles defensively at the center position, the Lakers have the 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 beautiful and damn near deadly um, ability to play AD at the five. Oh, yeah, you're right. You can yeah. have Harold yeah. Yeah, you're in right. there you next to have, AD. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the Clippers couldn't do that. Yeah, so they right. didn't have somebody outside of Marcus Morris yeah. that, you know, you could play next to Harold. And Marcus Morris is no AD, Yeah. right? So, you know, you can play. Yes, Harold can be your designated five on the floor. Yeah. But when you've got AD that can guard five positions on the floor and Harold can guard multiple positions – it makes it difficult to run a large lineup out there. And, it does. and because, Her- you know, yeah. that big for the opposing team still has to guard Anthony Davis. Yeah. Which frees up things for Harrell on the inside and, you know, all those kinds of things. So, I mean, it, it looks really good. Build up his confidence going Absolutely. into the playoffs because once the playoffs hit, you're going to start to see all of the, you know, the naysayers and stuff like that. They're going to be bringing up his past. They're going to yeah, be bringing right. up Harrell's, oh, yeah. you know, right. yep. postseason yep. struggles last year with the Clippers. Yep. In any matchup that the Lakers are going to have, first round, second round, you know, however however it plays out, every every series, as deep as the Lakers go, Chris, every series there's going to be people talking about, like, that matchup, right? Yeah, when you yeah. run down the matchups and you say, okay, which team's got the edge? When it comes to the bench, even if Harrell's averaging 18 points per game, again, that's what he averaged in the right, regular yeah. season, yep. and that didn't fare well for him in the playoffs. Good point, yeah. They're going to talk about that, yeah. and that's going to get point. brought up. And if he continues to build up that confidence and Frank Vogel continues to have faith in him, then, and again, playing next to AD is going yeah. to have paid dividends. Um, and that's totally not to agree, say, man. you know, that's not to say that, you know, the Lakers don't try and pick up. You know, we've been room. You know, we've been linked to Andre Drummond if he bu- gets oh, bought yeah, out by still Cleveland. Some names floating around you know, I mean, that, that's not to yeah. say that we can't, you know, make another move to get another big Absolutely. that wouldn't replace Harold necessarily, but would make things more dynamic for what Frank Vogel would Absolutely. want to do defensively and offensively. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I just I like to see it. I like to see the Lakers kind of playing well again um, and consistently. 
Um, but yeah, man, that's what I got with the nice. Lakers. Uh, um, I'm interested to see how how the, the bench explosion go, keeps going yeah. forward. I mean, dude, you get 64 points a game out of your bench. Good luck trying to beat you. I, yeah. I mean, that is it. That's really impressive. Yeah. So I can't wait to kind of see how that continues to develop over the next couple weeks, especially knowing AD is going to be out, trade deadline coming up, all that kind of stuff. So, um, Mikey, we're kind of you know, coming down the stretch. Yeah. we got a few minutes left here in today's podcast. What else you have for us today? You know, the, the, one of the last things I had, um, you know, is just, you know, you had a trade uh, earlier this season, um, you know, John Wall going to Houston and Russell yeah. Westbrook going to Washington. Yeah. And, um, <sighs> you know, my buddy Nick has sent out a text this morning to a little group chat that I'm a part of that sure. we talk basketball. And he had a, he posed a good question. It's like, who won this trade? Because right now, Houston's sitting at a 17-game losing streak, yep. which is the longest active streak in the league. And yet, they're still not worse than the Minnesota Timberwolves, believe it or not. They're 0-10. Um, they really suck. Uh, Washington is sitting not as bad, but 14-24. and They're 3-7. and They've lost four in a row. Yeah, Chris, man. Like, I mean, if you're Steven Silas, I, you know, I don't know. Like, you, do you make it? I don't think you fire the guy. I mean, I'm not a proponent of that anyway because you've had a lot of turmoil going on with this franchise. So, and immediately after the initial trade, Chris, you went on a nice little winning streak. Yeah, and you were yeah, one of did. the better defensive yeah. teams in You're the league. Right. Now, yep. granted, that also coincided with Christian Woods' play, and he's been hurt for this entire stretch. I mean, yeah. I don't think they've won a game since he's I, been hurt. I, no, it's so, happened. Um, you know, there's that in play. Washington doesn't have as big of an excuse because they've been relatively healthy. So, and you just started off the season terrible. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. that that is what it is. Yeah. But I don't know, man. Like, apparently, rumors are that the Houston Rockets they're looking at trading Victor Oladipo. Yeah, um, it's pretty much a fire sale in Houston on just about anybody yeah. not named yeah. John Wall or Christian Wood. Yeah. Eric Gordon supposedly available. Daniel House. Uh, you know, Ben McLemore. Um, you know, just about anybody in Houston. And Old Depot included is available via trade. Um, I, you know, Chris, I don't know, man. Like this is just the mighty have fallen, man. Because Houston yeah. for the last yeah. decade plus has yep. been a you know yep. a, a supposed contender, yep. and they've been you know one of the better teams in the yeah. league. Yeah. And now, dude, seventeen game losing streak. Yeah. Longest, you know, and no end in sight. No end in sight. Just blow it up. Just blow it up. You know, I I don't see the need to blow it up and figure out what your strategy is going to be going forward. Give Steven Silas an actual off season and a year to build a team yeah. and not like you pointed out, have roster turmoil the whole time. Your star player comes in out of shape, doesn't want to play for you, um, doesn't want to play a lick of defense at all. The, you you pull off a trade. A couple trades, and again, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I'm still very, uh, I guess, skeptical of the Rockets and, and the, you know, their decision to trade hard into the Nets. You know, I just, again, I still think they made a mistake by just trading him where he wanted to go when, um, you know, I don't know if that was the best move for him. I mean, especially Oladipo, if you Especially if you got Oladipo, which apparently, from what I was reading this morning, you know, Silas wanted Oladipo. Oh, okay. All right. You know, his two-way play, right. you know, his yeah. two-way ability, yeah. his ability to you know, play defense and, and score the basketball and whatnot. Um, you know, and, but I, I get it. Like, you know, if you're, if you're putting your eggs in a basket, I understand why you put them maybe more so in John Wall's basket. Yeah. 
Yeah. But, you know, I mean, obviously you're going to want a high asking price for Victor. But, you know, at the same time, man, like, you know, Victor Oladipo was your piece. Yeah, yeah. From, from the James yeah. Harden trade. And if you flip him, depending on what you get in return, yeah, that, you know, Miami's been rumored. Yeah. And, and the teams that have been rumored for Oladipo have been t- contending type teams. Yeah, which means right. that yeah. you're not getting a whole lot of young talent and draft picks back. Now, Boston's been rumored. That would be an intriguing one because Danny Ainge is still sitting on some of them draft yeah, picks that he's yep. acquired over the years. But who do you give up? Because you've got that young core. You're not giving up Tatum. You're not giving up Jalen yeah. Brown. You know, I mean, you're not going to – if you're a Houston, you're not taking back Kemba Walker. No. So, you know, who are you ta- – I mean, maybe Marcus Smart, but he's a, a big-time contributor for what they do in Boston. That's true. So what do you get? Yeah. Like, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Totally agree, Mikey. I totally agree. I don't know. Blow it up, uh, Houston, and just – Come up with a new identity, the whole nine yards. Yeah. Like, you know, just yeah. got to completely own it and move on from the Harden thing 100%. Um, and just, I don't know, blow it up, forget about this year, figure out what you want to do going forward. Yeah. Get on the same page with Silas and rebuild your team. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's going to be a little bit of an uphill battle for them, of course, but... Um, at this point, yeah, just blow that thing up. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, the only other thing I really had in closing, of course, was Dame Lillard going off last night yeah. for 50. The Blazers rallying back. They were down 17 yeah. with 5.55 to play in that game. It was, Dame, it, was game, it was Dame time. Dame time, game time. He was 13 of 20. So I, I, if I remember correctly, it was the third fewest shots in a 50-point game in league history. Uh, 6 of 13 from three-point range, 18 for 18 from the free-throw line. Mikey Portland went 31 for 31 from the charity stripe wow. last night. Um, the most in a game since 2008 when Phoenix went 32 for 32 in a while. Wow. So uh, hats off to That's them. That's impressive. Dude, um, I love I love when Dame goes crazy like this. Sure. He's a ton of fun to watch. I mm-hmm. mean, he's hitting threes from everywhere. He's uh, it, He just looks incredible. Yeah. Uh, and he looked yeah. incredible last night. A lot of fun. And scary, too, for the rest of the league because C.J. McCollum's supposed to be coming on his way back. Uh, you just got uh, yes, Joseph Nurkic yes. back. Um, yes. You know, so it – but, you know, at the t- at the same time, though, I mean, I'll just say this. I'll play devil's advocate for Absolutely, just a smidge. Absolutely, sure. You know, the Trailblazers got a lot of talent on that team. So, yes, it's awesome that they put up those kinds of numbers. But, you know, with the talent on that team to – you know, have to have that kind of heroics from your guy. Well, that's also a good point. You, you know, know, you I shouldn't mean, be in the is, hole. And, and as great as that is, is, and I'm not trying to take anything no, away. of course not. He should be in the MVP conversation. Of but, course. you know, at some point in time, it's like, hey, like, you're better than this. Yeah. This has been ongoing for years, right? Yeah, 100%. The Blazers. And yeah. where are they right now sitting six? What have they been? A perennial four to, what, six seed in the playoffs yeah. the last several many years? So they're not necessarily taking a step forward like you pointed out. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, Balls and Beards podcast, guys. Episode 17. 17. Running it down. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we took you through. We took you through the developments in the NFL. The Patriots going crazy, spending money. We talked about the Lakers and the insane bench production the last few games. Touched on Embiid being out, of course. Hit on all the major things. Uh, guys, we appreciate the support. Again, uh, if you're a fan of the podcast, you like listening, please uh, check out our Patreon page, Patreon. We got that launched. Um, I'm going to put a little exclusive content in there today if you do go ahead and sign up. The NCAA tournament, about oh, to tip off on yep. Friday, Mikey. Very exciting. I've been putting out some content previewing yeah. the tournament. I'll have an article out later today um, touching on this year's bracket and some notes and things like that, yeah. upset picks. 
I'm going to throw a recording in. If you do sign up for our Patreon, you'll have a, a, a recording in there, a little bonus content, giving you some picks for the NCAA tournament cool. opening round. And then Mikey and I will continue to build. We'll have some exclusive content in there with uh, you know, uh, some extra takes on NBA and uh, some stats and all that fun stuff that we like to do. Oh man, it's been a great episode. Brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah anything, yeah. anything in closing on this St. Patty's Day today? Nah, man. Um, you know, go drink some Guinness and uh, be safe out there, folks. There we go. Drink your Guinness. Enjoy your green eggs and ham. Um, you know, good oh. luck finding the the pot of gold under the uh, the rainbow out there. Uh, go eat some corned beef. Yes, corned beef and cabbage today. Hey. Oh. Balls and Beards podcast episode 17 in the books. We thank y'all. Have a great week. And uh, we'll see you again next week. Take care, everybody.